Listening to Enter VR, the podcast about all things virtual reality, and on today's show, uh, a fairly improvised uh, show that I'm having. I'm actually inside of virtual reality. Uh, you are listening to me, um, but uh, I am wearing a rift, and uh, sitting to my left is uh, Kane, and sitting to my right, I have Mike, and uh, these two guys are creating something fucking amazing, and it's called the Rift Max Theater. Uh, and I, I'll just let you guys introduce yourselves really quick and, and let the listeners know what Max Theater is. Yeah, um, my name is Mike. Um, I live in uh, L.A., and uh, I just started, you know, programming in Unity and uh, doing the whole, uh, you know, game programming thing about a year ago. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind was the virtual theater. And, uh, you know, it's I'm really into, like, the 3D and stuff on my own, so... I just kind of took that whole idea of doing 3D movies and stuff and just bringing it into the theater environment. Virtual reality just sounded like an awesome, awesome idea, you know? Definitely. What about you, Kane? Well, I'm Kane. I am from Canada, and uh, I came to, like, dabbling in development about a year ago as well, kind of like with a, a horror project. And I'd kind of like been a, a big fan of what Mike was doing with uh, his project Ripmax. And, uh, you know, after he'd been at it for quite a while, uh, we ended up teaming up because um, I was interested in doing an event here and we just kind of found that uh, we worked well as a team and had kind of similar vision for this. So that's how I've come to this project. I kind of just, uh, you know, left my horror project in the dust, you know, like a really a newbie first project. So. Very cool. Um... Before we go further along in this conversation, I got to thank you guys because this is uh, unexpected and really awesome uh, for letting me sit in your virtual chair in your theater uh, to host this podcast. That's awesome to hear you, hear you say that, Chris. Well, you're, you're welcome, Chris. And uh, I mean, one of the, I think, big reasons why we're doing this project is we want people to come here and, you know, use it and, you know, to try innovative things like hosting shows, like doing this podcast, so you're very welcome, and we invite anybody who's interested to do the same. Very cool. Now, uh, how how did you guys come up with the inspiration or, or for for Rift Max? Where did the idea first uh, become? You know, get, get got born. You know, uh, I started out. I was making a Tron based game in Unity, and. Uh, it was multiplayer from the beginning, and uh, and I was just kind of playing around with my friend and making different uh, environments, and uh, one of them was this theater, and actually the, that theater is still in here, like the original theater I was playing with, but uh, that was just, uh, you know, immediately I thought, well, this this is like, there's so many, you know, possibilities in here. I kind of just made it like my home base in VR, like the, uh, the theater environment, because uh, from there you can go, you know, I mean, you can... You can play games or whatever from from sitting in that theater, maybe watching a movie and then uh and then you know play a game on the screen or something. It's just uh 
that's originally how it, how it started. Rift Max, the uh, name, came from, uh, you know, it's like a play on the IMAX thing, and everybody was kind of making a, a Rift. They had Rift in the title of the game somewhere, but uh, I actually like the way it, it sounds now, you know, after all after all this time that Rift Max has been the name of the game, so. Yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, honestly, uh, with the Rift being a $300 device, I mean, I, I've been paying for uh, these 3D glasses for, like, you know, years now. And, like, I, I remember paying $200 for a pair of 3D glasses, shutter glasses, for my apartment, you know. And I got I got them laying around the uh, the apartment. I got three 3D screens. And ever since I got the Rift, like, I maybe watched a uh, 3D movie on my screens, like, a, a few times. Like, for the most part, it's in the Rift now, you know. I mean, and and just the, the whole potential of that. I mean, it's pretty obvious everybody's going to be watching their... Uh, the 3D movies inside of virtual reality. I mean, eventually, you know, once, once people join in. So. Yeah, I agree. And I want to ask you, why why theater specifically? Did you want, were you thinking, I want to bring people to a familiar place so that then I can fuck with their heads by putting a orca in the middle of the place? Or, or and why not, you know, like, why not like a, a football stadium or, or something that no one has ever imagined before? Uh, what was your thinking in just uh, theater? You know, when when I when I first started making it, it wasn't really about what what are other people gonna like. You know, it was uh, the theater is just one of those places where I'm always happy when I'm in the theater. You know, and it's a uh, it feels like a safe place. You know, even even though there's been like incidents in theaters and stuff, you know, recently, um, it's just one of those places that you know I'm I'm always happy. I'm always like having fun when I'm in the theater, and I always you know, feel good, so, like, I just, that's, like, the place that I wanted to make, you know what I mean, for that reason, I think. I grew up in a small town, and for a long time, we didn't have a theater, uh, so for me, going to the theater was always, like, this special experience, so, you know, I, I definitely get that attraction, but won't, what won't be readily apparent to people is, um, you know, we're really working on getting, like, fundamentals, core performance, getting voice stuff, uh, you know, ironed out. Recently, we've uh, added these arms that you see now. So we want to get those fundamentals down and then we're going to be adding more like fantastic locations. Like, um, you know, there's a moon drive-in that we've been thinking about. You know, we've got a lot of good ideas coming from the community, like maybe having uh, a sports-themed uh, theater where you could watch, uh, you know, like a sports movie, you know, above a boxing ring and, uh, you know, even more out there things. So we aren't going to ultimately limit ourselves to just like realistic theater types, but you know we're we're getting the fundamentals down before adding a, a lot of variation. For now, we're concentrating on this on the realistic theater experience thing, and uh, and then it's going to be like no holds barred as far as doing the uh, environments, which is like really the the fun part of the plan coming up very soon. What are you guys? Personal backgrounds going into virtual reality. I mean, where did you, Mike? Where where did you study? What did you do? And, and same thing for you, Kane. Yeah, um, I've always well, I've been in IT for about 15 years now, and uh, you know, basically like uh, all sorts of things, like wearing all sorts of hats in IT. So among those is like you know development, like web development, and uh, as well as uh, you know SQL Server stuff, and uh, you know, never had as much fun doing working on computers as actually programming and doing a, a game program. This has been like 
just amazing. Like, I, I want to do this, you know. This is, like, my favorite thing now. So, But uh, I have a master's in, uh, in business and technology management, and that was through the University of Phoenix. And I also have a, a bachelor's in IT through the University of Phoenix. Very cool. Well, what about you, Kane? So I have a bachelor's, my law degree. So I, I didn't have any, like, you know, specialized, uh, you know, programming training or anything like that. But, you know, I picked up Unity and uh, used all the tutorials and um, learning resources that are available and, uh, you know, cobbled together something that works. So, you know, um, it's the most fun I've ever had with computers. I've always been kind of interested in them, but, you know, it was the first time I actually felt inclined to actually dive into it. Yeah, not not bullshitting you guys, but what you guys are doing here is is really inspiring. Uh, I mean, just, just hearing your backgrounds and the, the, where you're coming from, and you know what you're building is is really really inspiring. And it's a seed. I think you you guys are planting a seed uh, because here's the thing: uh, what do you guys think virtual reality will will become in the future? What is what is your vision? Uh, I'll start with Kane. Uh, I guess my vision is um, you know more connected uh, pathways between experiences, I guess, approaching more and more of like a multiverse other than just having kind of disparate apps here and there. So that's what I think I'd like to see it go towards. But, you know, in the uh, near term, I'm just excited to see what people dream up. Yeah, um, you know, I've always been excited with 3D for some reason. But uh, like before VR, I was always trying to get that experience by like, I was sticking my nose to my 3D monitor, basically. It's like, and I could never have a big enough one, you know. I mean, the the one I've been, or the one I'm, I use now is a 27 inch. But uh, yeah, I never play 3D games on the monitor anymore, and it's sad because uh, when the Rift, when I heard, first heard about it, I was like, well, that's great because there's gonna be more 3D support, you know, and all these uh, 3D vision like users are just uh, just kind of pissed that they. You know, ever since DirectX 11, like, the 3D support in games just dropped off a cliff. And DirectX 9 had, like, all this 3D support. And, uh, anyways, the the Rift and, and VR in general is, uh, I mean, all the haters, like, the 3D haters, just, I didn't see any of them come out. It was it was all, like, praise, you know? And all, like, this amazing experience. And, and it it's for the people that always used to make fun of the glasses and everything. They don't make fun of this giant thing you got to wear on your head. Because the experience is like, it's finally getting there to this uh, amazing thing. You could just, you know, get home from work and, and put on a, you know, a thing on your head and just go wherever you want, you know, and do whatever you want to do. So I think VR is going to basically gonna take over everything. I mean, you know. What's your ultimate vision for, uh, for Rift Max Theater? Okay, so I picture, uh, you know, you start the game, you walk into the lobby, and, uh, and we're, we're calling it Live Lobby. Because uh, you're going to see everybody else's traversing theaters is going into the uh, lobby area. There's like a nightclub, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you basically check you check what's going on. You could have people. Uh, it's a big it's a big vision. But uh, but honestly, I mean, it's very attainable, you know. But uh, I, I see the live action stuff is just you know that came along after the uh, the theater thing. And, like, all these things just kind of come along, and it's like, okay, let's do that, you know? So the next thing I want to do is, like, you can record your own live-action, like, plays and stuff and, and play them back for people, like, all day. Like, just run your server, you know? You could run a theater without without using your video card and, uh, 
and people can join your theater and see whatever live-action thing you did before or whatever movie you want to... Sh- I mean, that gets tricky, but, you know. There could be movies playing, and you just, you know, go theater hopping, and, like, I've had the most fun in, in VR. I mean, it's it sounds, uh, you know, it sounds like I'm trying to promote the game or something, but I had a really great time, like, just theater hopping in here with some people and stuff, when, when there's actually theaters running and stuff. And there's different, like, vibes in each theater and stuff like that, so... I think that's the ultimate goal. It's just to have a, yeah, a place you can always go, and you never know what you're gonna get when you when you go inside, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I think what we want to see is people treat this like a place and a place that you actually want to come back to. And I think a big part of that is, you know, being able to customize. And you know, our hope is that people will want to run different theaters and you know set it up so it's a bit unique, and that when people come here, they'll have a different experience every time that's a good one. So, you know, we aren't worried about, like, traditional game objectives or anything like that. And, I mean, you can spend a ton of time with this type of experience and really never uh, find it dull or get bored of it, you know, as long as you're kind of having fun in it, as opposed to, like, a game where you may be seeing the same cutscenes every time or, you know, the same waves of enemies or whatever. But, uh, you know, we want to keep innovating with the social events. And like Mike was mentioning, we'd love to, like, put on a play in here and uh, with uh, something that he's working on, the RiffMax recorder, I think that'll be really amazing. So basically that'll let you uh, record performances and then play them back at your will. So you could have a whole play populated with avatars. And then as an audience member, you could watch it from the front row. You could uh, come right up onto the set, pause, rewind, uh, see it from any vantage point you want. So uh, we're kind of excited about the possibilities of implementing that. All of it, all of it sounds uh, really awesome. I, I really got to give it to you guys. This, all of it sounds awesome. In terms of uh, making the social aspects more social, would it hurt or help the fact? By the way, my neighbor's vacuuming uh, back there, so sorry about that. Uh, but my, uh, but in terms of would it help or or hurt Rift Max if you guys incorporated? You know, like like trophy, ba- like badges for for some sort of for, for some sort of achievement. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like a, or a leaderboard. Uh, is that something yeah. that you kept in mind? Like- well, Kane will tell you, but I mean that's that's like his specialty. I mean, one of them. You know, is uh, we're absolutely going to make it so that people can have their own uh, what flair. And uh, I mean, I'll just let you describe what what the vision is for that, Kane. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, we want this to be a place that's interesting and people want to come back to and can feel a part of. So we want to implement things like, uh, you know, different, uh, for lack of a better word, hats. I mean, everybody probably wants to do that. But, uh, you know, a a lot of different features that can customize your avatar. And uh, along with that, we want some sort of a system where, you know, you can uh, have a a login so you can be verified or stay anonymous if you like, uh, completely a person's choice. But if you want to be verified, you would have uh, you know, some sort of a, a trophy or badge that would indicate that you are kind of who you claim you are so people can't uh, you know, kind of claim identity and uh, troll that way. And, you know, these are the kind of things that you're ultimately going to have to consider when doing a VR social experience. So there's a lot of different um, unique things like that that we want to incorporate. And uh, as we go along, more things will occur to us, obviously, because, uh, you know, these become much more of an issue, I think. When, the, when it feels like the person's actually standing there with you. 
Yeah, I was wondering about this this idea of jumping into a room where there's going to be a bunch of strangers. How will that get uh, monitored slash policed? Are you guys, I mean, I mean, I don't know how, because so far all I've encountered is beautiful people here, but like eventually there's going to be assholes coming over, and and how how will you be able to monitor the assholes and the and the trolls uh, and and perhaps do something about them like or like ban them or or, or whatnot? You know, uh, a part of it is uh, each each theater is a, a server that is run by the user, and uh, that's the only way we can make it so expandable that you know you could have a hundred theaters or whatever, because they're all actually different games running, but you know seamlessly connected. And you know, to police all those would be like pretty much impossible. But people can they can make their theaters private. And I think at, at this point, uh, you know, people are still kind of feeling things out. But obviously, it's going to be an emerging issue, and again, probably even more important than you know, just a, a pure text-based uh, troll. It's more a visceral experience in VR. So, you know, I think ultimately that if you try to police things with um, you know programming or you know, no matter how clever it is or some sort of algorithm, that you're ultimately going to come up short. And we don't want to police. Uh, you know, people's behavior too much, but obviously we want to have, you know, some sort of system in place that will address people who go overboard because, you know, I think that's inevitable. No matter how kind of kind the community is at this point, it's only going to get bigger and that element will definitely creep in. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're going to have to think about innovative solutions, but, uh, you know, personally, I'm a big fan of community-based uh, moderating and policing. So, uh, you know, again, with what Mike said, if you're someone who's running a uh, theater, you know, you can certainly set uh, some rules and let people know kind of uh, your house rules and enforce them as you see fit. And, uh, you know, people can take a look at the rules, and if they don't agree with the way you're running things, they're free to start their own server or, or go where they want. Uh, so we don't want to police on that level, and it's obviously a task that, you know, I don't think how however big your organization, how much manpower, or how clever your programming is, you're, you're just not going to be able to do justice just on the developer. And so I think, you know, we've got to help uh, integrate a system where the community helps take some responsibility for that. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And, and part of the thing is, uh, as a server, you know, I mean, part of the, the fun is you get to run your own theater, you know. You can run it any way you want. And there's all sorts of options you'll have, like, you can shut everybody up by disabling sound for a while. I mean, for instance, you know, like the stuff that, like the options you have now. We try to build it with that kind of thing in mind, you know, like what kind of troll is going to be running around, you know, trying to ruin everybody's movie or time, you know. Yeah, definitely. No, that I'm glad you guys have all this, all these questions in mind. Um, speaking of resources, and 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 uh, what I think about is is two things. I, I, how how are you guys planning on on funding further development of Rhythmax? Is this something that you are thinking about going into Indiegogo or Kickstarter or finding private angel investors? What's your thoughts on that? I think we're both in favor of Kickstarter. Um, you know, as well as we've thrown around some ideas for uh, for some other like innovative ways to do it that aren't like. I mean, I think people like an official way to back a project, and uh, you know, so we'll. I mean, uh, this is really Kane's Kane. We we like to feel out like the what what's going on in the uh, VR world right now, and <clears throat> you know DK2 is right around the corner. I think DK2 is like when Rhythmax is really gonna um, shine. So I think we're trying to time it with that, maybe with the excitement that's gonna come around uh, 
the DK2 and maybe get some people from outside of the, uh, you know, the tight-knit VR community to, uh, to listen, or to, to, to find out what Rifex is about, you know, maybe, because it's, it's kind of a universal idea, like the VR theater, you know. What do you think, Ken? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think we're both of the view that for a VR social experience, you have to stay free to play on some level. And that's certainly what we've done so far. And, you know, it's really been an open, open uh, public test of this. So, you know, we let people see the, uh, the warts and all. And, you know, our hope is that, you know, people will help contribute and make this into a place that they want to be. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think we're going to have to seek crowdfunding at, uh, you know, some point. But with Kickstarter, you know, one of the considerations you have to make is, is this the right time? Is the, uh, the backer market uh, big enough for, uh, you know, a VR project? to really get kind of the best uh, timing and best bang for your buck, so to speak, by, uh, you know, launching the campaign. Because it's not that you can, um, you know, do campaigns at nauseam. Uh, so, you know, you have to be aware of that. And, uh, you know, I think DK2, there's going to be a big interest spike. Uh, it's going to be in the hands of more people. It's going to be a better experience. I mean, ultimately, CV1, and when it really gets into the hands of consumers, would be the optimal time. But, uh, you know, our, our thinking is that that would be way too late uh, to launch uh, a funding for something like this because the idea is that uh, by the time CV1 launches, uh, Rift Max Theater will be polished. That would be to a fine, fine shine. We'll have, uh, you know, all our wish list items incorporated, all of these unique theaters, Rift Max Recorder, uh, 4D Effect Movie Maker uh, to let people make their own 4D uh, movies. And, uh, you know, everything really humming well by that point. So, obviously, you have to have these things done well in advance. So, you know, I think the, the thinking is closer to DK2 might be a better idea because, um, you know, no matter how good your project is, how promising it is, uh, if there isn't enough, um, you know, people in the audience, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to raise a huge sum of money. And, you know, we want to come up with some ways to really be able to want to help back us. And, you know, one of the ways is um, by putting on these, uh, you know, events. And, and uh, you know, we're looking at alternate ways, of course, too, of, um, you know, bringing some revenue in. So we've got a lot of different things uh, in mind. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah, thanks for answering, because that's exactly the direction I was headed in. Uh, you know, what are, you know, just to reiterate, what are some ideas that you guys are bouncing around in terms of, uh, monetizing on this on this software eventually. I know, Kane, you already said a, a few things, but I wonder if, if Mike, do you have any ideas? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we wanted to uh, we want to get it as evolved as possible. I, you know, I've said from the beginning that you know um, it's all about evolving Riffmax into what it's going to be. And like these karaoke things we do are really like it's it's partially like a stress test, you know, for. Uh, for all the multiplayer stuff we're trying to do. And uh, the thing is, if we get the multiplayer experience to the place where we picture it, um, there's no doubt that there's gonna, the place is going to fill up. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, to get that experience to that, to that point. And uh, basically what we have now, I mean, is not, I, I wouldn't consider it a showcase or something that even like I'm ready to say, Okay, here's what we have, and here's where we're going. You know, I mean, Rifna, I mean, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Kickstarter, you know, usually have a, a set, 
like a plan in place, you know. You're showing people what you have and and where you're going. And, and I'm I'm in favor of a uh, of the Kickstarter, you know. But me and Kane are talking, and uh, and we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to a point where we agree on on an exact date. But uh, you know, we just uh, in the meantime, we're just gonna work on the game and uh, and just continue uh, trying to make it better. You know? <laughs> and and you know, ultimately, um, when a lot of video games do a Kickstarter. Uh, you know, I've seen a ton where they don't have uh, even like a quick teaser demo. Uh, you know, our approach—we've had this open for quite a long time now, and uh, you know, we're we're keeping evolving it. Uh, you know, so the hope is that people again will back us because they see that you know we're constantly um, improving the program, and uh, we actually have something to show uh, instead of you know just kind of plans and, and blueprints. You know, obviously, uh, funding would help us take this a lot further and, you know, get our wish list items done. So, obviously, something we want to look at. Uh, you're asking about kind of different ways of monetizing. I mean, we don't want to charge, uh, you know, somebody to download Rifmax, boot it up. Uh, you know, and I think that's another challenge for VR programs, especially social ones. So, you know, um, it, it's a movie theater, so it leads to things like, you know, if people want to advertise... Uh, you know, have a poster up or, you know, a trailer that plays before something. Uh, different events, um, you know, there could be a, a fee charged and, you know, again, uh, not at this point, but, you know, at a point where it's evolved that uh, it'd be a great experience and, you know, uh, the actor entertainment would justify for folks to pay it. Uh, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of different ways you could look at doing something like that. So speaking of wish list, something you mentioned just a, a bit ago, what are what are some things that you guys have in in, in your wish list, and and what is uh, holding you back? Is it is it the timing? Is it uh, financial? Uh, what do you what do you think? You, you know, I mean, I think it comes down to just time itself. I mean, there's never enough time. You know, uh, there's all sorts of things that I thought were would be ready by like today, but uh. Uh, it's just not the way it works sometimes, you know. I mean, one week we'll have a week where like three features will go in, and uh, it'll go in like clockwork and exactly the way it was planned. But then, like this week, we had to focus on performance, you know, because that's really key, you know. And uh, and one of the, part of the beauty of it is we have people to help us test every week. And uh, when you're building a a multiplayer game, you want to build it from the ground up as a multiplayer game, and Every feature you put in, you want to think about how is this going to work in a multiplayer setting? How am I going to enjoy this with somebody else? Like, how is this object going to be uh, something we can all enjoy rather than just me by myself, you know? Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's part of the vision of, like, building it from the ground. Our wish list, my wish list is to, uh, is to be able to, you know, leave this theater and, like, just have, a you know, a hundred things you can go do with other people walking around the theater or the lobby or... Uh, to other people's theaters and just just have a just amazing multiplayer experience as well as uh you know because I mean I think that's what virtual reality is what everybody's really excited about is this multiverse and uh, it's we're doing because it we love it you know what I mean I think we're gonna have something really really awesome to enjoy I mean pretty soon because uh you know I'm putting my heart into it and so is Kane and like so is everybody everybody else that's like along with along the ride with us you know so I think uh you know I think we're gonna have something here like. Pretty soon, or we're going to see a lot of good changes here and stuff. So, 
I think the wish list, as far as funding and stuff, we're, we're, we're okay for now. I mean, like right now, because all you can think about is what's going to happen this week and next week and like what's the next plan for, uh, you know, improvement of the game or like what's going in and like, you know, um, we have been funding a lot of this stuff ourselves, you know, it's not cheap, but, uh, but after a certain point, you know, I mean, we're, we're probably going to we'll get to a point where, you know, we, we want to recoup some of the, uh, some of what we spent, you know, you know, we'll, we'll get to that point and, uh, you know, if we recoup what we what we had spent, or you know, or whatever whatever it may be, then uh, you know, that'd be that'd be great. You know, it's like whatever it takes to move on and get to the next to the next evolution. You know, I've got uh, I guess some kind of concrete wish list items that I could share. Um, you know, it'd be great to have uh, full body, uh, well, more full body integration animation. And when Prio VR STEM comes out, uh, it'll be really cool to see people's uh, full bodies moving. Like just looking at Mike over there gesturing with his arms, you know, it's it's almost spooky how much more realistic uh, that comes across with the head movement and the hands uh, being motion controlled than you know really animations can give you. Uh, it comes just across a lot more lifelike, even though you know ultimately we're dealing with. Uh, you know, lower resolutions and, uh, you know, graphics aren't photorealistic at this point. I think you, you, we would love to see, you know, the ability for people to really customize their own avatars the way they would like to make them look, you know, as close to their real life selves or as different as they could, um, and to make that really easy for people. I think we'd also like to see a way to, um, allow users to integrate content and, uh, you know, actively contribute you know, add models, uh, different things of that sort. Love to see that, and, uh, you know, it just kind of goes along with our, our open nature and what we want to achieve with this. Um, we want to see the lobby integrated. That will kind of act as a hub and a central meeting place with a whole bunch of different unique areas all put in. That's actually coming soon. Um, and, you know, ultimately, uh, I think the most important item on the wish list is we want to see you know, performance get better and better, and uh, the ability to have more and more people in uh, a theater at any given time all getting, like, a great smooth VR experience. Um, I guess one other thing, uh, I mean, I could probably go on all night, but uh, would be web browser integration, which, again, you know, is getting close, and uh, that will open up a whole uh, lot of awesome uh, social entertainment experiences, being able to check out live streams, um, you know, with your friends, uh, one person was asking about having like a get together for uh, a Dota 2 tournament that's coming up. Uh, the ability to play uh, multiplayer f flash games on the big screen. Um, you know, and I grew up kind of having the experience of going over to friends' place and you know us all getting into the basement and huddling around uh, you know Nintendo and Super Nintendo etc. And, and playing video games and laughing and you know I could really see that experience coming off well in Rift Max. So that's what I, I think I'm most excited for in the near term. The funny thing about that is how close we are to the uh, to the flash games and, and the web browser integration. The thing is, I I don't want to do that sloppy. I mean, I'm sure Kane doesn't either. And uh, and there's so much potential in, in the web browser, you know, um, integration that we've already started. That um, ultimately, without like open any kind of security flaws, you know, it'd be nice to uh 
to sync up a lot of stuff you want to do on the internet, you know. But I think the ultimate uh, issue that uh, I've run into, that we've run into with um, doing the web browser integration is a uh, is um, is basically because when you get into the theater, you want. I mean, a lot of people think that everybody sees what's on the screen no matter what. But right now, we that that doesn't happen with like local based movies. Uh, they're not necessarily synced. It's like really just the uh, URL ones. And even then, like if somebody doesn't have right now QuickTime, but I mean that that's going to change. You're not going to necessarily need QuickTime if somebody's using, you know, the the web browser version of that. It, it's been a lot easier to sync stuff based on just the videos than than it has the web browser. And uh, it, you know, we could have something like tomorrow, but it's it's just not to the point that uh. I think it's going to take another week. But uh, the first thing we're going to start with, like, the live streams. With the web browser integration, we're, we're talking about, like, even the possibility of uh, of syncing up your local videos with people, you know. I mean, it's really, like, there's a lot of a lot of cool possibilities that are uh, that are coming up. And uh, it's, it's not like a feature creep type of thing that's slowing us down. It's just the fact that uh, there's some specific, um, specific, not issues, but... Uh, like each each website has its own like sizes and, and uh you know you want to you want to make it the size of the uh the actual movie screen when you're watching a movie and, and stuff like that and you want everybody to see the same thing in in a lot of cases so we're just trying to make it uh a little more polished than it would be tomorrow so you know uh the hard, the hard work's going into that so that it'd be really cool like the whole web browser thing will be pretty awesome when it goes in Wow. I just need to say, wow, let me collect myself for a sec, because these features sound like science fiction. Um, what, what wizardry do you speak of when you're talking about playing Flash games? That's insane. That's crazy. And, and to think that you're actually, it's it's closer than uh, I thought, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the awesome part about the Flash games and stuff is, uh, you know, with the web browser, everybody's Synced up, just like they would be on the web. It's, it's it's independent of Unity, which is beautiful because Unity is a monster, you know. So it's nice to have a plugin that's independent of uh of Unity, and you don't have to run everything straight through the engine. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, but at the same time, you have less control over things like volume and uh and sizes and everything else. So uh, you know, we're working hard at it. And, uh, and, you know, when it goes in, it'll be pretty cool. And hopefully get those flash games. We'll go one side at a time, you know, to have the, the stuff that we know is synced up, you know. But uh, eventually it'll just be an open web kind of thing. Follow me down the, the path of speculation for a sec. Uh, because you mentioned Facebook for a, a little bit ago. And I'm thinking, you know, here's Facebook, this social media company that, is, that makes money off of people being social and sharing their information so that they can sell it to ad you know, marketers. Um, and But that's not the point. The point is that they bought Oculus because they want to utilize Oculus technology to extend their social platform. You know, so they, they bought it because they're like, you know, VR is going to be the future, and in the future we're going to be social. This app, this software, Rhythmax Theater, is the perfect social gathering tool. Um, are are you guys have has it ever crossed your mind that maybe you know a Facebook uh, might come and and try to buy you guys out? And I, again, we're in speculation land. Uh, and if they did, if if 
Facebook approached you, would you would you say yes? Would you would you uh, let them uh, acquire you? I mean, that's not a that's not the goal. I, I don't expect that to happen. You know, I know that uh, even Oculus. You know, the guy who worked on VR Cinema, he actually got hired by Oculus in some in some fashion. And uh, I think he still lives in Korea, but I mean that's that's awesome for him, you know. Um, I can only imagine being, you know, hired to do this in some way, you know. You know, for now we just have to approach it as enthusiasts and just, you know, give people the experience that we want. I mean, from the beginning, it's just building the game that I want to play, you know. And uh, you know, and me and Kane are just building the game that we want to play, and we know that uh, what we want to play is probably what other people want to play too. So. So that's how you gotta approach any game you make. You know, any anything you do really has to be something that's based on your own interests and uh, passions. You know, so you just gotta keep doing that. You know, I mean, if eventually like Facebook bought us or something for you know whatever reason, like that'd be great. You know, because I mean, I think we have a good vision for this for this game. You know, or it's it's not a game. I mean, you just stop calling it a game. You know, it's been a lot of fun. You know. Just, just seeing other people enjoy it and stuff is like, it's been all worth it, you know, to me for sure. I mean, I don't think that uh, you know, a Facebook would come along and want to buy us. I think that you know, there's going to be a lot of different players who are all coming up with their own social experience. I think we're going to be one of many. And, uh, you know, like Mike was saying, all we can do is make a game that ultimately. We would like to play, and I guess I just called it a game too, uh, really to make a place that we want to come to and that we want people to come to and they enjoy it as well. And, you know, the rest of it, it's, it would all be gravy. Like, we're, we're doing this kind of like as a labor of love, obviously. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we can't control what anybody else is going to do, so I don't think we worry too much about that. We focus on, you know, our roadmap and what we want to see happen. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I just uh, I figured. I mean, Zuckerberg would be would be stupid to not you know go all out and start acquiring because this is the thing that I think about. Like, if if VR is going to be successful, it's because the software will carry it through. There will be software to support this platform. And and what I'm seeing right now, and perhaps it's because the Facebook deal. I, I don't know if money has crossed hands yet. But what I'm seeing right now is that I, I don't think that Oculus is going full force fucking all out trying to support people who are creating content for its platform. And I mean, that's why I bring it up that this idea that, you know, if Facebook was really, really smart, they'd be buying out or figuring ways to, you know, hire indie developers everywhere uh, because this is what, you know, the success of this platform will ride on the software that, you know, people like yourself are creating. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I don't think, I mean, a lot of times that, that's not, uh, I, I think they're, they're sitting and watching. It's a little early, you know. I mean, any kind of acquisition they make is going to make news, you know. So if they if they came out right now and said, you know, we want to buy, like, Riftbex, for instance. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we both laugh, you know, at that. Because we feel like right now, yeah, I mean, we call it a game because I mean that's what it is. We're not. This is no better than a lot of. So there's so many people that are just so like passionate about VR that you know. I mean, the whole the whole landscape's going to be like huge. I mean, there's so much indie development, and uh, 
I think to foster that growth, they shouldn't just start buying um, buying out these like projects and, and people just yet. You know, they'll, they'll probably sit and wait and and watch people uh, you know develop their you know experiences and games and uh, and then once it gets to a point, I mean, I don't think anything's gonna happen until like CD one, you know, or just before that maybe, you know, because just before that, you know, there's gonna be an app store. You know, there's going to be some official app store thing, and, and the day CB1 comes out, you're going to start having like you're going to start talking millions instead of like tens of thousands, you know? Because by then, like DK2's been out, and uh, who knows how many people? I mean, it's going to be like PlayStation or Xbox, you know? Those things will be an afterthought. I'm thinking, you know, unless unless they incorporate VR, which they are doing, you know? Kind of, kind of wandering thoughts there, but you know. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any thoughts, Kane, on 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 uh, the future of VR, how it rides on the software? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to that. Uh, you know, I also agree with um, the the view that I think it was uh, one of the chief officials from Sony had when he was uh, talking about this. That you know, when um, the 3D processing really came into vogue with uh, consoles. It took a while to kind of catch on, and you know, I remember there being systems with like three or four games at launch, like Tekken or something like that. And uh, you know, it definitely caught on. So I think there's a lot of convincing to do, but you know, at the same time, I think that as soon as people uh, try it, they're going to be convinced. But yeah, until you actually try it, it's it's even the wildest descriptions. It's really really hard to believe, and I know I found that true for myself. You know, like, even reading about it as much as I did, I was still uh, blown away when I first tried my uh, DK1. So I think there's going to be a lot of convincing to do. And the markets, like, I have complete faith that it's going to be huge and it's going to dominate. And, I mean, why would you want, uh, you know, a, a 3D TV or a TV at all when you can have, uh, you know, a huge screen and, you know, still be able to have your loved ones kind of pop in and sit with you and them being represented? Uh, you know, so I don't think it has to be an isolating thing. You know that that's part of the thing is uh you know 3D kind of has a bad name right now for for whatever reason there's plenty of like enthusiasts and people that that love it and stuff like that but uh you know around the time of Avatar I mean we're talking about these major corporations they don't like to sink all their money into something that's not gonna um that's not gonna win you know right off the bat so uh you know uh, I'm pretty sure once like Zuckerberg tried the rift and like he immediately knew. Because I, mean, I think that thing, once you try it, then you know, you know. Which is going to be even more with DK2 and, and CB1. And uh, the thing is, uh, compared to... Sorry, I know what's wrong there. <laughs> uh, compared to 3D, which, unfortunately, we've seen, like, lately, like, fail, really, as a, um, as what the market originally thought was happening there with 3D TVs and the glasses and all and all that stuff. With this, where I, there's no doubt in my mind, and in fact, part of the drive inside of me is just the knowledge that uh, this is the future of 3D. You know, you don't need the TV, you don't need the glasses, you don't need to worry about what player you're playing it on. I mean, it's all right there for you. And uh, we're gonna go. It's gonna go HD, and uh, and you have your friends sitting next to you. And, uh, you know, that is the future of 3D movies, you know, and, and, and 
3D stuff in general, but now we're talking like virtual reality. It's a whole different animal. Yeah, as you know, as much um, you know, hoopla as there was over 3D TVs and you know becoming really, really huge, they just they didn't take on at that level. They you know became relegated to a novelty, and you know for all these big players, no, the same thing could happen to VR. I think you know Mike and I definitely agree that it's you know probably one of the safest bets I've ever uh, you know felt in my life that I've made, and you know I've made my bet you know, throwing, uh, you know, effort into this, uh, that it's going to ultimately take on the way that I think it will. And really, I don't have a doubt, but, you know, these big corporations, they would be, I think, you know, it'd be unfortunate, and they have a lot of masters to um, answer to a lot of times the shareholders to, you know, throw in big-time resources into something that could, you know, become a fad and a novelty and not be a huge market, because ultimately, uh, when these corporations get huge, they have to be able to justify a certain amount of revenue per project, uh, you know, just to support everything. Uh, you know, so they have to be aware of that. So, you know, I think they're all going to be jumping on the bandwagon soon enough, but, you know, it's going to be people like uh, the indies, like Mike and myself, that, you know, take risks and, uh, you know, throw our effort and dedication behind developing these experiences. I think those are going to be the ones that, you know, really draw people's attention and, you know, uh, come to think of it, Rift Coaster, I was just talking to a friend uh, today about that, that, um, you know, that experience probably sold people on VR, you know, uh, more than anything to date. I think that's probably the first demo that most people saw on DK1. I know that's what I showed people and what I wanted to experience. And, uh, you know, that was made by Boone, who's now with Oculus as well. But, uh, you know, nobody told him to do that. It was, it just came from, you know, the, the love of... Uh, this tech and, uh, you know, him making a bet on this being something that's going to take off. Yeah, I think my first, uh, my first demo was, I mean, they actually took me away from where I was at, which completely brand new experience, even with like all the, uh, all the 3D stuff and like the nose to the monitor crap that I was doing, you know, that so many people were doing. First thing, it actually took me away from where I was at and, it, you know, it gives you that experience where you take off the rift and, uh, you're like, where the hell am I, you know? Was uh, that Alone in the Rift, like with the original, like, uh, trees, and, like, you know, something about it, like, at the time, it didn't even have a sky background, but something about that just kind of, like, I drifted off, and, like, yeah, it was scary and stuff, but uh, I think it was that moment when I took it off, and I was like, holy crap, what the hell was that? And this was after months of waiting for the Rift. It's not like, I mean, I was not disappointed that first night, you know? For me, yeah. it was... For me, it was getting that uh, slight pit in my stomach as I dropped on the first drop on the uh, rift coaster. That's when I was like, okay, I really, really get this. Like, uh, you know, that simulation of actually coming up to a drop, I was like, wow. Blew my mind that it was that good that it could trick my brain into, you know, that kind of uh, autonomic response. Yeah, I remember the first time trying out the rift, I, I made a specific effort to be high as fuck. Uh, and throw myself inside of Titan's space. Uh, and I, I remember having a, uh, an existential crisis because uh, in Titan's space, you, you see the solar system and you know, some nearby stars unlike nothing else before. And I remember thinking to myself, holy shit, I am nothing and I am everything at the same time. It was, it was, it was one of those moments. But going back to uh, Rift, uh, the Oculus Rift and VR in general, so 
assuming that uh, Carmack stays aboard uh, Oculus and there's no issues with this with this lawsuit that's happening right now, um, I'm assu the hardware will will be will be uh, I think the hardware when CB1 rolls around will be uh, sufficient for for most people I would say. Um, Number two, I think that uh, I'm hopeful and optimistic about the software uh, being available and being abundant, you know, as an ecosystem for consumers. So you got those two things. But a third thing that I think about uh, uh, that could pose a potential obstacle for the success and uh, adoption, widespread adoption of virtual reality is the public perception, how people perceive the rift and how people perceive uh, people wearing the rift. Have you guys thought about that? Like, how do you, how do we make the rift, uh, you know, and what I mean is putting an HMD over your face. How do you make that appealing to, to grandma and mom and, you know, sister and, you know, like particularly females and, and, and casual players? You know, how do, how do we open, you know, from a marketing perspective, how do we sell this product to people? Yeah, you when have you, when them try it. <laughs> when, when ah, you, say, like, you got me. You're talking about females and stuff, you know, I mean, uh, my girlfriend thinks like this, the idea of the theater thing is like, oh, that, that's really attractive to like females and stuff, you know. Part of what we want to do, we call it Rift Max After Dark, which makes no sense. But, uh, but to turn this into like, into like a dating thing, you know, I mean, I think eventually, you know, there'll be some girls to put on the Rift and uh, we've seen a couple in here lately and stuff that we didn't see before, you know, but, uh, the thing is, uh, I mean, I was sitting in here, like, alone one time, and, like, a girl walked in. I knew it was probably a guy, you know. But the whole thing of, like, having an open environment where there's, you know, people and you feel like you're in a different space, like, the whole idea of, like, a dating in that kind of environment is uh, is very, like, appealing, you know. And I, I don't think we're going to miss – I mean, it, as we go forward with with Riftbacks, we're not going to miss out on trying to make that an opportunity as well as the – uh it's the dating thing, and like, there's a, there's a couple like toys you could have with here with uh, the whole Riftmax thing that that would include like a way to uh, to get to know somebody better, you know, inside the environment that we're building, you know. So hopefully that that pans out, you know. I I think that there's probably going to be a divide. So before you actually get a person to try the Rift, I think you know. And just be kind of based on experience, uh, you know, some women um, weren't really keen on trying it, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, guys, I found, were much more, you know, interested in kind of early adopting and trying it out. But I think for those people who try it, that, you know, the risk appeal at that point isn't gendered. I, there's no bias uh, to one gender or the other. But, you know, I think beforehand, you know, it, it's going to take some uh, clever marketing. But, you know, I, I really do believe that as soon as you can get somebody to try it, uh, you know, and I guess assuming you don't throw a sensitive person into a horror experience, uh, that they're going to get it and they're going to understand why this is going to be a big thing. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that beforehand, that's where there may be a slight issue. But, you know, as more and more people take this on, it's going to be ultimately one of those things like, you remember when Titanic was out in theaters? I mean, I avoided yes. watching it, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, people keep talking about it, the buzz keeps growing and growing, and it's like, you gotta, you got to do this, you got to see this, you got to watch this, or, you know, Breaking Bad, you know, so it, it reaches kind of like a, a critical uh, saturation point where, 
you know, people regardless of bias and, uh, you know, maybe not natural inclination to put gear on your head and play video games, they're, they're definitely going to want to have one. And the problem is, is how much it costs, you know, like the barriers to entry right now. But, uh, like these $1 phone games and stuff, you see how they saturate, like, there's a, there's a curve, you know, and once, uh, once you get a certain amount of people talking about it, then everybody else follows along, like, uh, grandma and everybody else, so, I don't think that's, that's gonna end up being a problem. Well, I mean, once, uh, once it, it gets into the family party or something, and, uh, and somebody's, well, you might like this game, yeah. you know, try this one, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, Aunt Susie or grandma try that one, they're, you know, after that, they're gonna want to, to have it just for that one thing, you know. Like, well, yeah, and we've we've actually seen this before with the Wii. It had, you know, a much broader appeal than the typical console had to date. And I think this is going to be, you know, a step even further than that. Uh, you know, I think where the Wii had a lot of buzz, you know, it uh, kind of tapered off fairly quickly and, and became kind of something that collected dust. But I know my parents had uh, it fired up and had, like, uh, Beatles Rock Band a few years back at uh, Christmas time, and, you know... The variety of people who are enjoying that it was is pretty phenomenal. I mean, I don't think it ultimately had, uh, you know, maybe the titles or the quality of the experience to be sustainable, but you know, I think that uh, virtual reality will. And you know, we've seen videos of you know people's grandmas and all kinds of varieties, walks uh, of life, ages, etc. So you know, I, I guess I'm not really concerned too much about that. So I, I liked your your answer about. Uh... Uh, you know, how do you get people to to like the Rift or decide whether they want to get one or not? And you just let them try it and and, and let the the experience speak for itself. I, I really like that answer. You know, going back to Titanic for a sec, I, I remember crying in that movie when I was nine years old. I watched that motherfucker three times, and every time I cried because of Leo dying. And he hasn't won an Oscar yet, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, she is so selfish, you know. And that's part of the reason, like I, I'm sure I shed a tear for him too. It's like. You know, if he just, you know, looked for a board himself, you know, and just try to get on to something yeah. that was dry. Maybe if she looked out for him for one second instead of just being yeah. so selfish. I mean, I just, I avoided that movie on principle, but I think I saw an episode of Mythbusters where they tried all the different configurations that Jack would have had to take to be able to survive. And I can't remember 100%, but I think they came to the conclusion that he was a goner just based on that board that he couldn't have possibly got on there with her. Because I think people had that complaint in the yeah, really? he seems smart enough to to already scan the uh, his surroundings and everything. So it's just she really wanted him to survive, and uh, she's messed up. Yeah, man, she uh she missed she missed her chance. She could have had that man, you know, uh, laying laying pipe for her for eighty years after. But nope, <laughs> too mad, too bad. Uh, but you know, coming back to to the rift for a sec. Yeah, I I wonder if you know. Is it is it about having more money pumped into the industry? Is it about having more developers? Uh, is it about having a wider uh, audience of people paying attention to it? What is what is you think? What do you guys think is the biggest uh, contributing factor to to what will make VR successful? You know, to me, uh, I think it's it's just time. There needs to be a certain amount of time. You know, it's not money. I mean that. When they Facebook bought Oculus, the money thing is out of, I mean, it's out of the question now. I mean, there's plenty of money in there now. It's really, uh, I kind of like how it's developing at this point, you know, because we, 
it's still giving those indie developers and stuff a chance. You know what I mean? I, I really expected there to be some killer app, like even by now, at least on the on the radar. But uh, a lot of them are being very quiet about it, and uh, it's fostering like a uh, you know uh, a lot of uh, this indie stuff. You know, there's still a lot of uh, uh, I'm not saying we're gonna get indie developers and stuff are gonna get shut out. I think this is I think that's part of the core of this whole VR thing is uh is these experiences people are making and it just it brings to light like all these engines and stuff that they have to build on nowadays and stuff and it's been really uh really cool I think you know Chris every factor you mentioned is going to be a big part of what makes VR succeed and you know I couldn't single out one over the other as far as importance but I think you know they all have kind of a synergistic relationship where they all feed each other. I mean, uh, you know, the more riffs are in people's hands, the bigger the base audience is. So the more interested people are going to be uh, in developing games for it when they know that there's a big potential customer base. So, you know, that brings the money, that brings the, uh, you know, AAA stuff, uh, which, again, brings the uh, consumers. So it all will feed into each other. You know, I think it has everything it needs for, you know, a healthy kind of push off the dock uh, for it to kind of float. But, you know, uh, I couldn't really single out one of those things you said as being more important than the others. Fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, I, I was wondering about, um, you did bring up the Indies and, and AAA, and I'm, I mean, I'm thinking immediately about AAA Studios. This is a question I've asked a, a few developers, uh, um, and I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. When I think it's, for me, uh, it's only a matter of time before the AAA studios, the big publishers like EA and uh, Ubisoft, realize that holy shit, there's money to be made in VR. And and so what I'm wondering is when they make that realization, when they start throwing money into this space and and putting you know their teams together to create experiences themselves. How are you guys? Are you guys anticipating uh, a react? You know your your own reaction to that uh, event, or, or or what? Are, what are your thoughts in terms of you know how uh, big publishers jumping into the game will affect you? I, I think we know that we have a, uh, at least a year or two because of the uh, the fact that uh, it's really hard to slow their momentum. I mean, even like I was talking about the 3D support. Well, they they stop that on a dime, you know. They're not as into uh, pushing the edge or like doing the new stuff as they are doing what ha- they still have the revenue stream of, like uh, you know, you just saw PS4 and, and the new Xbox, you know. I, I don't know about Microsoft these days, but uh, you know, you see uh, you see that they're making money off that. You see that they have you know 20 million in sales already of the PS4 and uh. That's what they're going to concentrate on right now, you know? And you're going to have, like, Valve and, like, some of the other AAA studios in just a couple or a few that know that VR is where it's at, and they'll be the early adopters as far as the AAA companies. And uh, that's where we'll see the, the real stuff come, like Half-Life 3 and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, are you worried about competition? Are are you worried that when they jump in, they will will swamp you, uh, or 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 this might affect your your bottom line because then you have to compete with their budget, your, their marketing dollars, their budgets. I, I see it as a race against time right now for myself, because I really want to get something substantial done 
and we kind of like jumped the gun here and got got something out pretty early that was fun. And uh, I feel like I mean, because I'm my uh, attention is like fleeting in real life when it comes to tech, and I know that that comes across in like the game and stuff. And I'm already tired of the uh, you know the stuff that we put in, and like I'm ready for the full motion tracking, and I'm ready for. Uh, or whatever the next like really exciting thing is, I know that's what's driving this game, and will continue to, you know, is that we're only gonna keep doing it if we can stay like super excited about it. Which there's plenty of stuff to uh, to put in that we're excited about. So I'm not worried really about these AAA companies coming and like stealing our thunder. Uh, if anything, I- I'm worried about like another indie developer coming in and stealing our thunder first, you know somebody that's been hiding their project for a while and, like, comes out with it, with, with the DK2 or something, you know, right when we're trying to do a Kickstarter and, like, all the attention goes to them. Even though I'm not worried about that. Really, ultimately, we're, we're here, I mean, we're making this game because it's, it's fun, you know, and if we can't say it's fun, it was fun making it at the end of the day, then, uh, and if we were only doing it for money or, or, like, some sort of, like, recognition that we made, like, a, an awesome game, then, uh, then we shouldn't be doing it in the first place, you know? So none of it's been time-wasted. Even if, like, the world or the whole indie thing stopped today, I would say the entire thing was worth it because, like, we've had so much fun, you know? And it was fun making something for other people to enjoy, you know? It has been a ton of fun, and, I mean, you know, like, yeah, the thought definitely occurs to me that, you know, social experiences, there's going to be a lot of different people interested in putting that out. And, you know, we probably aren't going to see you know, the most polished ones uh, even released until uh, the consumer kit comes out. I mean, you know, we have everything out in the open, but, I mean, we're a small team, so, you know, it, it occurs to us that that's a good way to do it. But, you know, I don't think you're going to see many other people do that, and I don't think any, you know, uh, uh, established uh, development big teams are going to do that. So, you know, we can only kind of make this a place that we want to come to, and we can't really force how anybody else feels, but, you know, the hope is that, you know, if it's fun for us, it'll be fun for other people, and, you know, I think Karaoke Night's a blast, uh, Gunter's show is, it's really interesting, it's thought-provoking, and, uh, you know, I, I just hope to see a lot more of that type of stuff here, and, you know, I think that the community is going to want to support that. So that's uh, the feel that we're going for, and, yeah, competition's definitely a possibility, and it's going to be inevitable, but, you know, if you worry about that type of thing, you know, I don't think you would see any indie development. I mean, you know, a lot of indies, they don't do it because they think that it's it's their pot of gold. They do it because there's, you know, a passion for it, a love, and, you know, that's certainly been the case with Riffmatch. Awesome. That, you know, that was a great answer. Thank, thanks to both of you on, on that. And speaking of, you know, the race against time, uh, how far do you guys estimate we're away from, you know, you guys actually announcing that, all right, it's done, or this is it, you know, how, how far away are we from that? Yeah, I feel like we're making our, uh, I mean, like, uh, I'm not comparing us to uh, to Disney, but, like, his philosophy was it's never done, you know? Right now, I feel like uh, uh, we just basically threw all, well, not, not even all the ingredients, but we just have thrown some stuff out there, and it's not even close to, like, how we picture it done, you know? It, it's never done. Uh, that's always going to be our philosophy with this, you know. And I don't feel like I need to wander off from uh, using the theater as my central base point of uh, of operations as far as programming goes for myself. So 
Um, I'm just going to keep working on this game. And uh, me and Kane are just going to keep evolving this game. And not, and, uh, and I don't think we're ever going to consider it done, you know? I mean, unless Unity blows up or something. I mean, you heard our wish list. Like, I mean, that's that's a mountain and then some. And I guarantee you as we, uh, you know, get some of these t- things ticked off, you know, we probably add three items for every one we, we get done. So, you know, um, we'll keep uh, at it, I think, as long as, uh, you know, this is somewhere that we and people want to be. Yeah, this is, uh, I like your philosophy. I, I really do. I mean, it's just, this is going to, I mean, at the rate you guys are going, you guys are going to build uh, something amazing. And it, it's truly uh, turning out to be that way, for real. Um, and, and so, uh, my next question would be, uh, what, are, what, what are your favorite video games growing up? Uh, I know we're starting to veer off away from VR, and we're going to start uh, walking uh, closer and closer to the rabbit hole. So, so I hope you guys don't mind if we start uh, going into the crazy talk. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. Uh, actually, when I was uh, when I was like maybe six, I got my first computer. But uh, my first like games that I was really into were like the like the Quest series games. I mean, as far as like computer games go, um, like Space Quest and uh, King's Quest, those things I really got into, you know. But uh, of course the uh, you know, I really liked Paperboy at the arcade. I was like the one that I would spend like hours on versus the, uh, you know, minutes of the other ones. But there's so many games, you know. It's hard to pinpoint like exact favorites, except I just remember spending a lot of time on those games. Nice. For me, uh, like the ones that come to mind is probably like Legend of the Mystical Ninja for Super Nintendo. Have you, have either of you played that? No, that sounds awesome. No. <laughs> sounds amazing. Okay, I, I, I got to explain a little bit about it because it's such an awesome game. So it's like a two-player or a one-player game, and uh, there's like a kind of Legend of Zelda aspect uh, parts to it where you go through different towns, and there's also like um, 2D side-scroller aspects where you kind of do these battles and fight through these hard levels. And you get all these items and collect coins, and as you go through these towns, there's all these different awesome mini-games, and like games of chance and stuff. It's in this really goofy style. If you ever get a chance, if you ever use emulators, absolutely play that game. It was very tough, and no matter how many weekends uh, me and my friends would rent it, um, we never actually beat it. It was a really hard game, but we loved playing it. We'd always get, you know, like really far into it and put a ton of hours into it. We could never quite beat it, but it was always just so much fun in these towns and like all these little diversions. So that was definitely like one of my all-time favorites. The other one is probably like Final Fantasy, I think, 2 is what we call it in North America. Uh, the one that came out, I think, uh, first for Super Nintendo, the first Final Fantasy game that came out for Super Nintendo. Just, I remember being blown away by the story and, uh, you know, my mind being blown when uh, all of a sudden the, uh, you drop down and you're in this underground magma level. I thought, like, it was going to be the end of the game and it was, like, the halfway point. And I just remember being so bloody happy that there, this feeling that there's a whole, you know, extra portion to this thing that was so awesome up to this point. And, you know, like, I, I avoided going back to it because I, I don't want to kind of ruin the nostalgic feeling I have for it, but... That was probably like one of my all-time favorite games. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking about Super Nintendo, there's like so many classic Nintendo games that uh, 
like uh, um, like even Super Mario Brothers, like all of them, you know. Just remember those just being the best, you know. And like there's a lot of there's a lot of care put into uh, the gameplay, you know. And like each jump and like how that's gonna be and like you can just tell there's so much care put into those games, you know. I mean, it's not all about graphics, you know. It's part of the problem with a lot of games today, you know. I guess it's just so focused on graphics. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, Nintendo is one of those funny companies that I think about, especially in this day and age. Uh, you know, I, I wonder what they're, what they're thinking, what is going through their minds right now that Sony is jumping into virtual reality with Project Morpheus, that, Ocu you know, this Oculus virtual reality thing is hap going on all around them. And knowing that they tried virtual reality back in the 90s, I wonder, you know, if if I were, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nintendo, uh, you know, how do you say, up up upper upper management type guy, and I'm realizing that holy shit, we're not making any money on the Wii U. Mm, this VR thing seems promising. How likely do you guys think it'll be before you know, if for Nintendo to to announce a VR project? Is that is that uh, likely at all? You know, I, I give Nintendo a lot of credit for uh, innovating, and I know if they're working on VR, they're going to do it probably behind closed doors for a while, and not announce it right after Sony and look like a you know a follower, because I don't think they like to be followers. You know, they'll even do something that, that fails just so that they're not followers. You know, so maybe they'll go a different direction from the HMD that like we we see today. You know, Morpheus almost exact copy of an Oculus. And you know, you know, Nintendo's must be a little bit bitter after Virtual Boy, because they're the ones who tried it first, you know? I don't think we're going to see a Nintendo VR headset anytime soon. I think that you're probably going to see Nintendo start to branch out and, uh, you know, make games for other platforms. And, uh, you know, they may make a VR game, but I don't think they're going to get into the hardware for that type of thing. I mean, I think they lost interest in keeping up with, uh, you know, like, uh, performance graphic wars quite a while ago. And, you know, I think they wanted to go broader and broader. And to me, instead of just having your own closed system, it'd probably make more sense for them to start making games for these other systems and having these killer uh, titles. Because, I mean, they're, Nintendo, the first-party titles, like you were saying, Mike, they're absolutely craftsmen at making uh, these game mechanics and making them compelling. So... You know, I, I doubt that they're going to want to, because I think VR, you need leading-edge hardware for the best experience. And, you know, I think that for a while, we aren't going to get the optimum uh, VR experience just because hardware hasn't evolved uh, as much as needed to get, you know, super smooth and get all these things uh, to where people ultimately will want to see them. And, you know, I don't think Nintendo's interested in that. So hardware, I really, really doubt it. I, I think we're seeing, a, like, oh, sorry, we're, we're seeing, like, a format that, is going to become like the new TV. So eventually Nintendo will obviously be a part of it, you know. But Donkey Kong will probably be awesome in VR, you know. Or, sorry, uh, you know, any any one of their uh, awesome titles that they have. I mean, they're really making making it by on their software now and uh, the popularity of, like, their characters. And uh, that's really what's getting them by now with the Wii U and everything just not being anything like they probably thought it was going to be. I want to jump on a Goomba in VR. 
Yeah. No, I, you know, I'm thinking about like these these days. There's 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 companies that these video game studios are getting a lot of flack because they're re-releasing um, their old games out into new consoles. And so, you know, I wonder whether they'll a company would still get a lot of flack, like Nintendo, for example. Like, I tried uh, the Legend of Zelda's uh, Kokiri Forest demo from uh, Dark Akuma. And I remember being inside uh, that experience and feeling a, a whole new different feeling than what I felt when I was a little kid. Uh, in that sense, I feel like I can go back to every single video game that I that I played, assuming that they're adapted for VR somehow. Um, yeah, I can I can go back to any video game from my childhood, and I, and I want to experience them again in VR. I mean. Is this something that uh, these companies are overlooking? That they have all this content, they 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 built all these three D worlds, Mario, you know, Super Mario sixty four, uh, Star Fox, these amazing games that could easily, you know, relatively speaking, you know, because of their budgets, they could port it out to a VR headset, and yet, and yet they're still sitting on that pile of cash. See, I I don't think that it would actually be easy to port these things like i think the existing ones that have like hacked on solutions they just they aren't ultimately great experiences i mean but i also i agree with you to an extent because i think with uh vr is like a medium that uh what's old is new again like uh mike and i were chatting and um you know i would even be interested in playing like paper rock uh light sword in rift max uh and you know like uh <laughs> board games and things like that just to just to have that experience in this new novel medium. So, you know, people aren't going to be able to get by on that type of thing forever, and people are going to demand, you know, more and more compelling when it becomes kind of more like uh, blasé. But, I mean, with it being, uh, you know, the Renaissance, at least fairly in its infancy, there's going to be, a, you know, a long, long period, you know, where it's kind of going through uh, these growing pains where it's going to be really amazing and, you know, you're gonna get a get away with, uh, you know, lower quality graphics, etc. And uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of compelling experiences to be made in all kinds of old games. You know, whether they're like I was talking about board games or schoolyard games, but also, you know, the uh, the classic video games. Uh, I'd love to play, like I was saying, Mario. Like to jump and hit your head on a block and knock a coin out and be able to look up as you're doing it. Obviously, you wouldn't want to feel the block against your head. But uh, I'd love to play some of those games, uh, assuming yeah, why not? they're done properly from the ground up for VR. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like uh, it seems like just just like all the other systems, you know, VR is prime for uh, for Nintendo because uh, they don't need to have the the best graphics. You know, that seems to be their philosophy. So if they have a little bit less graphics, they need just a little bit less hardware. So you know, I'm sure we'll see something official from Nintendo in the meantime. We'll see stuff like that uh, Mario Kart, you know, that somebody, I forget who did it, but it's just amazing, you know? Like, to be in Mario Kart in VR was, like, just awesome. I mean, how you can do that. Yeah, there will definitely be fan projects, and that one was really cool. So we're about to go deeper into the into the rabbit hole, uh, because I want to ask you guys in your opinions about, do you think ultimately virtual reality will change the compensation of who we are as human beings, and and what I mean by that is, I I, went, I came inside the Rift theater and I remember uh, feeling shy, feeling like holy shit, I give a shit about what people think about me over here. I don't want to act a fool. I, I wonder if if 
you know, these VR experiences are giving us or uh, somehow changing us psychologically. Have you picked up on any of that? I mean, are, uh, in terms of especially because you guys have been able to notice uh, people, you know, you've been having these Rift Max theaters and you notice how people behave. Uh, you know, can you give me some insights on that, the psychology of what's going on in your head and what do you think is going on in people's heads right now? It's funny, the uh, the rabbit hole. So as we enter the rabbit hole here, um, you know, I've, I've been giving this a lot of thought. And uh, just like anything you give a lot of effort to, like even having fun in, like if you're having fun in virtual reality, there's less fun to be had in actual reality because you've already been funned out, you know. Um, not just that, but, uh, you know, uh, like you said, you know, there's a, there's an upside and downside to everything. And, uh, VR is going to have huge, huge downsides. I mean, psychologically, but who knows? I mean, I mean, there's nothing that's like, I mean, you see like kids that are these days, you know, kids these days that are in front of their video games for like 20 hours a day on their like, um, spring break or something. Well, maybe not just on spring break, but like every time they go home and you know after school they go straight in front of a video game or something like that that's going to have negative consequences you know but something that's surrounding you your whole psyche is a whole different animal you know i mean who knows how it's going to mess with people's brains and uh I, there's some initial fears i was i was saying, I, mean, I i've been able to sit here like for 5 hours with the the rift on and not have like that sickness or any kind of like lingering thoughts that uh, something was wrong with my body. So I'm, I'm over the initial, like the uh, the short term, like fear. But there is a longer term, like thing, you know, that, uh, that I'm sure is going to come out eventually, some sort of effect on the body or the mind. I mean, this the social psychology stuff is a huge interest of mine, and you know, with uh, being part of developing a social experience, we have like a really unique vantage point to see this type of stuff. So I'll just give you kind of some anecdotes that I've noticed in RIFMAX. Um, you know, I tend to notice that when there's larger groups and there's a group chat that people tend to form a circle, uh, all facing inwards, and, uh, you know, really kind of ape uh, what you would do if you were in real life. Uh, I also see, you know, really funny things like when somebody is leaving the theater or leaving the program, they actually physically walk out the theater door. And, you know, just huh. that people would do that because it, it feels natural. And not everybody does that, but, you know, you, you see these things. Uh, you know, so I think that the interaction in VR just, it, it brings you a lot closer to your instinctual uh, interaction as opposed to, you know, typing in a, in a chat room, that type of thing. So I think like what you said, um, you know, there's a lot of resonance to that where people will have these social anxieties that they have in real life and they may carry over to virtual reality. I also think it's a powerful tool, though, for people to help get over those things. But, you know, with uh, watching Max karaoke night, you know, I've heard quite a few people make the comment getting up to them like, ooh, this is, this is tougher than I thought it would be. Or, yeah, I... I feel like I'm on a stage and, you know, I feel that like physical palpable pressure of being, uh, you know, in the spotlight. Whereas, you know, if you were not represented by an avatar or, you know, the, the more depersonalized you get, you don't get that kind of uh, 
integration and uh, connection. So, you know, I think that with people being over such a broad spectrum, there's ultimately going to be people that, you know, will have really adverse effects from this type of thing. But I also appreciate that it seems that the world needs a narrative where, you know, the new technology is going to ruin the kids. Uh, you know, it seems like that's just a natural news thing that the world needs to have. So, you know, I think there's going to be a huge media scare over this, but, you know, I think that's largely just because that's this narrative that we always seem to have in that it, uh, you know, gets views, clicks, uh, brings in uh, money for the uh, the newsmakers. But, you know, whether it has those th effects, I mean, I, I really, really doubt it. it it's going to be something that people adopt, we integrate and we move on. That's what we do as people. I mean, did uh, televisions ruin the way we interact? No. Did the radio? No. I mean, it changes it, yes, but does it ruin it? No. So I, I think it's going to be like anything, but I do think the potential for people to have, um, you know, more personalized reactions is a lot higher than, uh, you know, playing Call of Duty and having some kid, uh, you know, shouting insults at you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, and it just to sort of piggyback on, on what you were saying, uh, and, uh, you know, these... I when I when I went up to the mic to sing Sir Mix a lot, I like big butts and I cannot lie. I remember, uh, you know, the first time ever doing this. I'm good at public speaking. I I boast about it. I think I'm I'm good at getting in front of an audience and I can give a speech. You know, I can pull shit out of my ass and and and, and I'm okay with it. Here this time around, it was it was fascinating because I was, you know, I remember the music started off. I I I forgot. Uh, at what point I was supposed to start singing, and then I remember my palms started getting sweaty, and then my forehead started getting sweaty. I st my lenses started fogging up, so then I couldn't read the words, and it was just like this visceral, you know, feeling of like I'm fucking up, and it and, and it, it's like, you know, it's funny because you're doing so great. You, you were you were actually singing <laughs> great. <laughs> it, I I was just putting in putting in my my love for big butts. That's all. So then. Uh, it was, you know, at one point I was just thinking to myself, like, you know, this could be utilized, and I, and I'm not, this isn't a new idea, but this is, this could easily be utilized for, with, with people that have social anxieties that, that you know, are, are scared of going on, uh, you know, in front of a public audience. This is great simulation training. Have you thought about these applications, uh, perhaps selling it in that sense? Um, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know how you can, you know, make that angle, but, you know, have you thought about using the positive applications of, of VR in, in EarthMax, incorporating them somehow? Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, when people see the stage, and, and part of us putting the, the videos out every week and stuff, is for people to get, like, an inside glimpse of how, how people feel when they're in there. Yeah, I think it looks, it looks weird to people. That have never experienced the rift. Still, they think that we're all pretending, you know, to uh, to have like stage fright or to uh, to mess up when we're singing or whatever. And they think we're playing a, a game like Call of Duty or something. I think, but they do notice that something else is going on here, you know. And uh, like the first time that I uh, had to give a speech in here or something, I don't really, unlike you, I'm not as good at that in real life, you know. Or uh, I mean, I think I've become a lot a lot more comfortable, like, with that, because I hadn't had that experience in a lot of, like, my recent time in life, you know, like, the last year or two, you know, I mean, if you, 
you're good at something one day and then like you go two years without having to do it, you're not necessarily that good at it when you get back to it, you know? So you can give you practice in here and like people can practice their stand-up comedian act and that, that's like one of the next things we want to try to do is uh, give people a chance to maybe uh, get their stand-up comedian legs in here, you know? Because you, you do get those feelings. You get the feelings of like anxiety or like overcoming that and uh, and that little reward you know, inside your head that, uh, you know, I did something that I probably, uh, felt like a little nervous about to begin with, you know, and, uh, and you get to experience all that in VR, you know. You know, with what we want this to be when our wish list items are all checked off, I think it, you know, will allow people to do a lot of different good things like that. Your public speaking example, uh, to start, you could have your own theater, uh, you know, big bright light shining on you, have it completely empty, and you know that's not something that the average person would have access to in real life. Uh, and you know, as you go along, maybe you can pop in a few NPC seat fillers, and uh, as you get more and more confident, you can go up to a packed house. So I think you know the potential is definitely there. Um, you know, whether ultimately people uh, you know flock to this type of program for that type of experience, it's it's really hard to say. You know, um, I think that. You know, at least the karaoke I've seen people get stage fright. So I, I definitely think it has that possibility. You know, I was going to ask you about: um, is it is it possible that there there will be a potential for people to develop some form of psychological disorder by uh, having, for example, a second a second personality or, or developing second identities? Uh, you know, I know that people get really attached to their their NPCs, their avatars in in, in video games. Now I wonder uh, if you know my life or the person who I am in real life uh, will become different from the person who I am in virtual reality, and whether you know, I, I wonder if, you know how will different people react to that? I wonder if there will be like a bipolar disorder, a virtual reality bipolar disorder, because someone was in VR too long and they forgot, you know, what it was like to have a personality in, in, in reality. I don't know. I'm in the rabbit hole, so what do you guys think? Oh, man, that's great. I mean, the rabbit hole is pretty awesome sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> and, and we can go down that rabbit hole, like, talking in this theater sometimes. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Second Life, those guys get really into that. I mean, and that's on a monitor, you know? I mean, they can mentally immerse themselves in, uh, when I say they, you know, I'm sure we all have something we get immersed in, but, uh, you know, the thing is with VR, like at first, um, what I first notice is when people get together, like when we discuss the Facebook acquisition, um, of Oculus in here in the theater, um, that night, it was really cool. But at the same time, you don't see the people like yelling or like, uh, quite as like a modicon as they are in text chat and stuff. They're, uh, they're more subdued. They're, they are like they would be in real life, you know? So, uh, you're represented by an avatar that looks any way you want it to look. You know, you can modulate your voice. Uh, you can be a different personality, but you feel more like that's you in that personality. So I think in a way it's, it's not, uh, in a way, it's probably, it's probably going to be uh, worse as far as what you're saying with the bipolar uh, type of situation because people will fall into their character more than we've ever seen, you know, because uh, cause you're actually living it. You're, you're, your mind's making up for the rest of it, but you're, 
your your mind and your body are immersed in a in a different world, and uh, you're not just like a, a you know an an icon on a screen, and you're not just uh, this two uh, thing you're looking at on the on the 2D screen. You're uh, you're living in a different world. So, like you said, you know, um, for some people, it's going to be a problem. You know, I think we know that. For some people, it might help them. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the story, but the, there was a lady that uh, was able to walk like, outside again, and she's like dying. You know. And there's this guy who told me he's always in a wheelchair, you know, and he was bedridden and like he played Riff Max and uh, he got to walk up and like pick any seat he wanted and he doesn't get to do that in the theater. And like, I thought that was a really cool story, you know. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it could have been anybody's game, but like I, it, it felt special to hear somebody say something like that, you know. Do I think that VR is going to cause mental disorders? Absolutely not. Do I think that it will be claimed? Absolutely will. I think that, you know, people who are predisposed to mental illness, this could be something that exacerbates those pre, uh, pre-existing tendencies, uh, you know, much like stressors, other stressors might. So I think it would definitely be a stressor for vulnerable people, but I don't think it's actually going to cause, uh, you know, that type of thing. And I mean, for me, it's just based on, I mean, I understand that I'm not in reality. I understand that I'm in virtual reality. There is a very solid distinction for me, uh, you know, at my very core of my understanding in my brain, uh, no matter how good it is at this point, at least. I mean, <clears throat> I'd love to be proven wrong with that, but, you know, certainly at this point, you know, no matter how immersed I've been or how much I'm willing to suspend my disbelief, I still know that it's, you know, I, what I'm doing. And I think that's true for, you know, the average stable person. You know, for people who are predisposed, though, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that, you know, you might end up uh, having some sort of, like, uh, hot tub uh, warning on. You know, uh, not for uh, uh, people who are predisposed for, you know, certain mental illnesses. Uh, you know, just as protection for them. Because, uh, you know, I think it has that possibility, but to cause it, no. Yeah, I think of these online personalities and, and these people that uh, take it too far already or that are profiting from it. And uh, the VR thing, walking around like as a celebrity in VR or something, will be something that they get too into, like obsessive. It'll be an obsessive thing as it proliferates society, which it will eventually. We're going to see people that... I mean, it's not going to be like a mental disorder for them, but it will be like these epidemics you see in society where, uh, you know, a certain percentage of the population is taking something a little too far, you know. And uh, and we'll, we'll see people's VR personalities being as important to society as their uh, real-life personalities obviously are. Since we see it right now with online personalities, I mean, it's pretty obvious that something like that happens, you know in society we see it we see it now very cool uh no that yeah well i, I think this conversation could go on for hours and hours and hours on end <laughs> but i'm having so much fun with you guys but I, I i know you're i understand you're super busy um i'm going to have to bring it to a close again uh kane and, and mike you guys have been amazing uh super entertaining um and uh, dude and so uh welcoming as as letting me host my podcast 
in virtual reality with you guys. This is this is quite awesome. I gotta I gotta give it to you guys. This is amazing. Please do it again. Yeah, it was it was awesome to have this discussion with you here. And uh, I mean, my favorite place to uh to do a podcast, you know. This is this is looking like a, a promising place. We'll stay in touch. We'll talk, we'll talk more about it later. And I, I'd love to uh, come when next time you guys have a stand up night. Uh, I'd like to you know try out my stand up comedy act uh, before I, I do it you know in the real world. This is VR simulation. I'm gonna you know put it to use. You got it. Awesome, awesome. How can people stay in touch with the community? How, how with you guys? What you're up to? All that good stuff before we come to a quick close. Well, if you want to send uh like private messages you can do that uh through the website or uh the developer forum or uh even uh reddit if you want to get a hold of us uh through pm there um and then there's a there's a few uh open forums one of those is uh the developer forum on uh, oculus uh that, that's where that was the first forum for RiftMax. so if you want to like look into the history of it and everything and uh if you're thinking about like supporting it or whatever you know go ahead and look at that forum and you'll see how the how everything's evolved, you know, because it's all right there. Um, also, uh, you know, if you go to riftmax.com, everything we feel is important will be there. Um, there's no open forum there yet, but uh, that, that'll be the next thing we put in there so that people can talk openly there and have other people see what they're talking about. But uh, <clears throat> right now I think the, the number one forum is, uh, is Reddit, and uh, it's actually in the Oculus Reddit, subreddit. So... Uh, and there's no specific thread that, it, you know, is like a main thread or anything, you know. Um, anything else, Kane? Yeah, I guess for events, uh, there's a calendar uh, on riffmax.com. That's where you can grab the newest build for free. And uh, we have Twitter. You can follow us at, at riffmax. And uh, YouTube as well. Uh, videos go up on Virtual Reality Guinea Pig uh, YouTube channel, so that's where you can find all the RiffMax content. Uh, so lots of different ways to get in touch. We also have a uh, a small, but we hope it'll grow subreddit for r slash RiffMax. All that information, all that awesome information is going to be in the show notes. Once again, uh, Kane and Mike, you guys have been wonderful. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. No worries. Thank you.